welcome to the Pet Grooming Business Podcast with me, Bill Betts, where we give practical business advice to help you grow your pet grooming business. So without further ado, let's get going. Right, welcome everyone. How's everyone doing? It's not even lunchtime yet and we're live. We're live in the uh, Dog Grooming Helping Support Facebook group and we'll be doing this onto a podcast as well. So welcome, a big welcome to Lorna Reeves. Lorna is the owner of My Oh My Events. Welcome Lorna, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Really pleased to be here. Yeah, is this something different? Have you spoken to like dog groomers before or the, the pet industry? No, the pet industry is not one that I've tapped. We do a lot of work with uh, pharma, with medical, with charities. There's not really much you can't take online. So it's really nice to see, um, yeah, the pet industry, new new nuances. It's huge. The pet industry is huge and it's uh, up, well, not just up and coming it's up and and come and it's like growing every day so it's really good to have you on here and one of your posts um where i follow you with my my events one of your posts sparked my interest because i know a little bit about your story and we'll go into that in a minute but you started talking about hybrid events and the pet well the pet groomers love events there are so many seminars um grooming competitions seminars and um educational days which groomers go to and when you put that post out about turning your in-person event into a hybrid event I was like yes let's get Lorna in to come and talk to all these people that run these events and they can maybe make a change to them so it's awesome to have you here so tell us a little bit about yourself Lorna you know it's not the background like many people might not expect this but tell us about the background and how you got into business sure um so I originally started out as a CSI Um, in the police. So I did 15 years um, with policing and finished up my career um, running the forensics lab um, in the Met. Um, I left in 2018, um, as I know a lot of people do from the public sector, overworked, stressed, um, and I started my first company, which is my, My Weddings, which is an LGBTQ plus wedding planning company. Um, and my oh my events was kind of born organically, really, from a few mentors and a few clients saying, hey, you organise stuff for people. Can you help us organise a conference? Um, so it kind of grew arms and legs from there, really. And um, my oh my events has been really adaptive. Um, we had a whole year of events booked up for 2020. And then obviously COVID hit in the March. Um, and I just remember... We were on our first holiday since I'd left, um, since I'd left policing. That had been three years in the waiting. And we were sat there, um, beer in hand and watching the news. And I just remember saying to my wife, oh, you know, I'm not going to have a business. Like, I could be in real, real trouble here. If we go into lockdown and we can't do conferences, seminars and workshops, what the hell am I going to do with this business? So virtually overnight literally 72 hours I barely slept and I learned everything there was to learn about any online platform that I could use as a video conferencing piece Mm. and wrote out to all my clients and said right nobody panic we're still going to do all of your events but we're just going to do them in a different way just because we can't stuff people in a room together physically doesn't mean that you can't still 
have something that's really interactive, really immersive and really get people engaged. It just means we're just going to have to do it differently. Um, we're going to have to educate people along the way because you know most people have never heard of Zoom in March right. 2020. Um, and I was only using it for client meetings because quite frankly then I didn't want to haul my ass up and down the country going to client meetings when I could just do it like this. Um, so it was it was a real interesting time it was a real spike and a learning curve for me um but also educating my clients on how you go about running really interactive sessions because i'm a firm believer and you'll see my hashtag no more boring webinars i hate <laughs> chalk and talks where you throw up a slide deck and just talk at people for an hour and a half it makes me want to jam my own pen in my face and i'm the producer so i can only imagine what attendees are like um, and there's so many different ways to make an event interactive that it doesn't have to be like that. Yeah. Um, and if people have got questions, um, if you're watching live, please do throw them into the chat and I'm happy to talk about them. Um, and equally, if you're listening on the podcast, throw them into the comments because I will pick up with them afterwards. Um, so, yeah, it kind of grew arms and legs from there. And within the first month, we'd converted our complete client list into the online space. Uh, month two, I had to hire my first person to help me. Month three, I hired another person to help me. Um, and, you know, fast forward two years um, and there's a team of six of us and we have clients around the world um, that want to host online events. Mm. Um, we have you know thousands of attendees globally um every day um and now we're really moving into the hybrid space um my and my events is really um, not pulling any punches when it comes to the next evolution um and we're really seeing a shift towards hybrid because there'll always be some people that want to meet in person there's yeah. some people that love the the energy from a room um but, you know, audiences um, have become real pros at the online space now. Some people just say, why would I want to travel three hours to go to a, a, you know, a CPD event if I can attend it from my home, if I can still engage, if I can still get interactive with the speakers, if I can still ask a question and get an answer. Why can't I do it from the comfort of my office in my pajamas? You know, people they right. just don't want to travel. Yeah, and um, going back to what you're saying, like a worldwide audience, I look at the um, the shows, the grooming competitions, the seminars that the groomers run in the UK, and they put so much effort, and they're like fantastic things to visit, but quite often they're very limited to either location or limited to space because they haven't got um, dog groomers in general don't have like big premises because it's expensive um, so they maybe they have to go and hire a hall but again it still limits them on the amount of people that can be exposed to what they're, they're teaching and, and showing but we could have like a global audience at these like grooming competitions or global audience at the the demos and stuff like that and teach everyone around the Absolutely. world show everyone how good the UK industry is at, at pet grooming you Absolutely. Know, and there's, there's nothing that I've come across so far that can't be taught online. I even have somebody that teaches swimming online. Wow. It takes a couple of well-placed um, <laughs> waterproof cameras um, and a couple of waterproof mics and speakers, but it can be done. So we've got triathletes that are training. Their coach is not in the pool with them, um, yeah. but they're getting full coaching, full swimming coaching using virtual technology um, and, and the world just got a little bit smaller during the pandemic because you could sit in your house in 
Glasgow and you could be educating people in Australia um, about whatever it was. So there's no reason that now we're coming out of the lockdown rules that we shouldn't that still be broadcasting to a large audience. You, you don't need sophisticated technology. You do need some technology to make it look good because um, sound is the top priority followed by a clear picture. So you need a little bit of technology and a little bit of knowledge. Um, but essentially, if you've got those things, there's no reason why you can't stream live. There's no reason you can't broadcast live. And whether that's a massive conference with keynote speakers on the stage, whether that's workshops and you want to put people into small groups, um, or even if you want to run a, a bit of a webinar for as a loss leader so get people interested in your business um, you can even teach full workshops you could teach I don't see any reason why you couldn't teach a full grooming course um 12 week program in the online space all it would need is just some education for you and the attendees on how they get the most out of this space um, but it absolutely can be done that's quite interesting, actually, because um, we had uh, a, lot, uh, a puppy during lockdown. It was one of our own puppies that um, we had. And I went to an online puppy trainer and she did the six week course via Zoom. And a lot of people might have been like, oh, how do you do that? But you could see I could see it in tra the trainer's eye. I could see that Vicky was looking at the puppy and you could see the change, the point where Vicky was like, yes, your, your dog's got it. Reward it sort of thing you can actually see that it was working and it has worked um she's a bit more of a loon but that's down to us but <laughs> the actual lessons um worked and vicky was up in i think she's in hampshire teaching our teaching us and our puppy how to sit and lay down and stuff like that it was amazing and, and i'm just thinking on the fly here i don't see so i've got a webcam at the moment i don't see any reason i couldn't put that on a tripod in front of my grooming table have subject dog here and be saying you know this is this is the point at which you want you would groom this is the technique I want you to show and get your attendees to do the same and you can assess what people are doing you can see their hand action and motion and you can coach them you know in progress yeah it's really interesting and the the main thing obviously that comes and probably sparks people's interest is monetizing it as well a absolutely and and I and I had a lot of conversations in the last couple of weeks, especially as everyone's talking about well, where the, the whole economy and everything is going at the moment. The thing that people are not going to stop spending money on is learning CPD and professional development. Because let's face it, if we're in this professional world and we're speaking professional to professional, most people can see the value in if I spend a bit of money on myself and I invest in my own education, I'm going to reap the rewards, you know, it's going to be a huge return on investment. And actually, there's no reason why you can't sell tickets for an event and have 20 people in the room, but have a good camera set up with streaming and charge people exactly the same money for the ticket, because they're still getting the benefit of your knowledge. They're still able to raise their hand and ask a question. They're still able to communicate with you and the group. And even with a couple of smart cameras positioned around the room, they can even see what other people are doing in the room. Mm. So they're still getting that in-room experience. So there's no reason why you can't charge for it. Um, even if you just wanted to cover costs as a loss leader, you could charge for a webinar. Um, and I always say, if you're gonna run a webinar, charge small amount of money because it makes sure that people turn up 
Um, generally, industry standard is about a 50% turnout rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you book 100 people, you can expect about 50 of them to turn up. So be careful if you book 10 people and don't be surprised if only five people turn up. Definitely. Um, I've reached out to you about this before. because yeah. And uh, I might prove this this tomorrow night because we've got a webinar tomorrow all about um, taking the fear out of VAT. And we've got quite a few people booked on, but I have that 50% rule in my head. So Yeah, and, and 50, anything more than 50% and you're winning. Um, it can depend as well on who you're marketing to. So if there are a lot of people that know you that are in your community, they, they're more invested. They know that you've got good stuff to share with them, so they probably will turn out. But if you're charged five to 10 pounds, it's enough skin in the game that it reminds people that they've spent money on it um, and they're going to show. Um, but not so much money that it puts people off, especially if that's what you're looking at, it being a loss leader. But there's no reason why you couldn't run a full day seminar in the yeah. online space and, and you know, pay for a full day of CPD. Yeah. And uh, could you, would this actually add a bit more value to your seminars and your courses? Because you can actually offer a recorded version of it as well afterwards. Absolutely. Um, and I do say, just be mindful, keep your recordings protected. So they belong to you. Make sure that they're not fully downloadable if that's not what you don't want. But there's no reason you can't store it in a cloud and say, you know, you've got it either on tap for a year or take that recording and put it on an online learning platform. Mm. Um, And then it forms part of a course or part of a membership, however you want to use it. But, yeah, it's an extra bit of value. So someone says, you know, I really want to attend the whole day, but actually I've got a really important client call between one and two. No worries. Come to the whole day and just catch up on that whole that last bit on the recording. Yeah. And again, no another, another thing I just, this is like sparking loads of thoughts, you know, a lot of people run seminars on a Sunday because they're busy or to enable people to get there, but you can actually run seminars now between school hours if that's the, the pain point, you know, oh, I can't manage to do the whole day because I've got to do a school run or something like that. You can actually start adjusting your seminars to fit your clients or your potential clients. Absolutely. And because you don't need to book a room, yeah. You can literally do it from your normal working space. Yeah. Or you've got a particular, uh, there's another one, uh, you've got a particular breed of dog that's coming in that is like um, a breed of dog that everyone always asks questions about, always asks how to groom that. You see it in your diary, boom, you've got a, an hour's seminar there, how to groom this particular breed of dog, five pounds entry, off we go. You watch yeah. me it, watch me do whatever. Yeah. And I know somebody, um, my dogs, um, one of my dogs is blind. So I had um, a lady the other day, I met her in the park. She said, could we do some work and can I record it? Just how to train a blind dog. Mm. Um, yeah, he gets on fine. But as a demo purpose, why, why would you not do that? You could film that bit of footage and you can weave that into your workshop as, you know, this is how we have used it. Because I always say to people, it doesn't never talk and talk. So never throw up a load of slides and talk at people and think about how you can weave things in like videos. So potentially case studies or um, footage that you filmed previously that give context to what you're trying to explain. Um, Because people do learn in different ways. And we know that, you know, if you've ever done a training for trainers or you've ever learned to be a presenter, you know that people learn in different ways. And actually throwing up a load of slides is not suitable for everybody. Some people prefer to learn from a demonstration. Some people like to watch something, absorb it and then try it. So by bringing all of these elements into the online space, 
you're maximizing the learning that people are going to take yeah and the hybrid you know and if people don't want to learn like that then they come in-house and, and get hands-on as well. So. Absolutely. You're catering for every learning element. And by making it interactive, by catering to all of those um, learning styles, you're doubling the half-life of your education. So people tend to forget 50% of what they've been told within the first 10 days after leaving an event. So actually, by making it interactive in whatever way people like to learn, you're extending that half-life to about six weeks. So they're going to retain at least half of it by the six-week mark. And if then you go ahead and make the recording available to everybody, whether they were in person or online, you're just extending that value even more. Yeah, awesome. Well, you, you've got a little presentation, haven't you? To, to... Oh, do you know what? We've talked about a lot of it. Oh, okay. I, I, I'll, um, I just wanted to make sure that um, if you're doing anything online, um is to make sure that you've got a few things in place that will just level up your performance. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're giving a presentation, if you're keynote speaking for someone, even if you're doing client calls, um, there's I have a mnemonic, which is CALM, C-A-L-M, um, and I advise everyone to use it every time they get online in whatever capacity. Um, I use it. For, I even use it for radio interviews because most people, when you do a radio interview, you're actually you can see the people you're speaking to. They just can't see you. You're a disembodied voice. Um, but going through this really quick process gets your head in the right mind space um, for a presentation. Also means that people are not going to switch off because of really niggly things. Mm -hmm. So CALM stands for camera, angle, lighting, and microphone. And they are kind of the top four reasons why you will appear less professional um, or that people will switch off if they are attending and meeting you in the online space. Um, so the camera, make just making sure that you clean your camera lens every time. If you can afford it, get a, web, a webcam rather than the built-in camera in the laptop. Mm. They tend to be a slightly lower spec, the built-in cameras, and it doesn't have to cost the world. Um, at the moment, I'm running a Logitech Brio. So that was about £200. But the next step down, um, and I can give you the all of the details for the show notes and the comments of all of the kit I use, um, that's about 90 quid, and it's 4K enabled. So it will last you. You know, it's fairly future proof. It will last you the next five years. Um, just giving it a clean and I, not just every day before every call, because there's nothing more irritating than a smudge on it. And all that person is thinking the whole time they're talking to you, is that smudge on their camera or is it on mine? The words are just going in one ear and out the other because all they can see is that distracting mark on the camera. You'll be like, uh, you'll be looking at my, my lampshade at the moment, see if it's been dusted or not. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely always so the next letter in um calm is the a which is the angle so making sure that your camera is um, fixed at eye level so you're not looking up at the camera which subconsciously puts you at an inferior position but you're also not looking down at the camera so you're not looking down on anybody you're making level eye contact which is obviously the natural way that we communicate with each other um also, by putting it at eye level means you're not getting up any up the nostril shots um, and you're not getting any down the cleavage shots, which just you just don't need it. Um, and I see it all the time on the BBC. And I think, why are those producers not telling the person to put a book under their laptop? You know, fix your camera angle. 
And it just makes you appear more trustworthy and puts you in a more confident space. Um, if you want to stand, obviously making sure that that is still um, at eye level with you, however you prefer to pre present. Um, yeah, it's really important to frame yourself and not be too close so that you're just a floating head, um, but fill the frame nicely so you're not way back because people like to see the micro expressions. Yeah. It makes people, people feel comfortable. You can tell a lot from people's faces, can't you? Absolutely, absolutely can. Um, the next setter in the calm is the L, is lighting. So lighting yourself from a natural source where possible and trying to avoid your back to the window. You just look like the Grim Reaper and <laughs> nobody can see whether you're smiling or frowning and it, it's just really distracting. Um, and if you can't light yourself from the front, get yourself a cheap ring light from Amazon. It doesn't have to cost more than 20 quid um, and it does the job just means that you're evenly lit, you've got no distracting shadows. Um, and it's, you know, that you can spend thousands on lighting rigs, um, but just being well lit from the front is a great place to start for anybody. I'm sure laptops and computers will um, come start coming with um, front lights or side lights at some point. They absolutely will. It'll be an add-on. It'll be a production add-on that you'll be able to buy very shortly. Yeah. Fab. And the last letter is um, M, which is the microphone. So um, it was proven last year and Deloitte did a bit of research and they were asking people about the biggest reason they switch off in an online event. And it was actually audio that came out top. People will forgive you looking like the Grim Reaper. People will forgive um, even a pixelated or slightly glitchy picture. But what people can't manage is bad audio. So any buzzing, any hissing, um, just the lack of clarity. So if you can, um, just make sure that your microphone is either in your earpods. Um, uh, my earpods are flat, hence the reason I'm using a wired um, cable. But my microphone is actually on my Brio at the moment because it's directional. Right. So should the dog start barking in a minute, which is entirely possible, um, you shouldn't get too much of that noise because it gets rid of all the background stuff. You might hear it a little bit because it's fairly loud, but this is, is quite directional. So you get a really focused and rich sound. Mm -hmm. um, if you were presenting to a room full of people, I'd suggest getting a wireless um, lapel mic that just attaches then to your laptop. So the sound is really clear. You don't get all the hustle and bustle of the room, but the people online can hear you really crisply and really clearly and almost as if you're talking directly to them even though you've got 20 50 100 people in a room yeah. um and actually that's then records really nicely as well you get that really rich rich sound um without too much bustling in the background so you can hire those as well for your event they don't cost the world um to hire um, and are well worth investing in if you're going to move into the hybrid space which you absolutely should hybrid is the future I wonder if um, I put you on the spot a little bit. I wonder if you were able to talk us through, like, if I was planning a um, a dog grooming seminar. So we've got, um, say, let's go down the Asian fusion route because that's quite uh, popular with people, and they want to learn how to do the scissoring skills. What kind of setup would you perhaps recommend for someone? They've got a grooming table. They've got a dog. They've got the presenter who's going to be moving around the dog and showing off different scissors and uh, different styles. So they're going to be some close up. And then they've got a room full of people. What what sort of equipment would they actually need? 
So it always depends on budget. Budget is always a factor. Um, and if you have a look, I'll drop a line into one of my freebies, which is a kind of planning guide for these sorts of things. Um, budget forms quite a big part of that. If you were doing it, um, if I were doing it for you, I would recommend a couple of different camera angles. So you can obviously run a hybrid event through Zoom. Um, and all you're looking at doing is putting a couple of different camera feeds in. So instead of Bill's face, you would see a close up. And instead of my face, you would see the full table. Um, so that's all you're doing is replacing people with camera angles. You, but I'd recommend. Sorry, you might cover. You'd run two Zoom calls, so two Zoom accounts. Uh, no, you can you can run them from. Yep, you can run them from the same one. Mm -hmm. um, um, we use um, a switcher deck um, called an ATEM. Let's see if I've got one here. You can buy these and you can hire these. Um, most production people will use them. Essentially, your different camera feeds go into the back yeah. um, and you can switch between them. Oh, okay. um, but you can hire them. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Um, you could hire a production person. You don't have to spend loads of money on the kit. But they, you can set up your laptop at the back of the room. That needs a really strong Wi-Fi connection, obviously. People are tuning in. They don't want it to crash. Um, and then all you would have is one camera potentially set for a close-up, um, mm -hmm. one camera set to view the whole table, um, so you can talk as if you were talking to the room. But the close-up camera means that they can see the intricate work if you're doing particular scissor angles or you're saying, you know, when you get to the ears, make sure you do X, Y, and Z. You can see that as a close-up. Yeah. Um, and people would be able to see that through the camera feed. You'd obviously need a microphone. Yeah. You project from you down the room to me at the back of the room with the laptop. Um, and pretty much an extra pair of hands would be helpful because you're the presenter. So the idea of having the extra pair of hands is always to make sure that you can focus on delivering and being dazzling. Um, and the extra pair of hands just make sure that your camera cameras are in focus. You can switch between the two camera feeds. You could potentially plug if you've got a presentation on the, on the wall, if you're doing some slides as well, you can just plug that into the back of the laptop and bring that in as well. So people online can see the presentation. Um, so they get the full experience. They get the close-ups, they get the far away, they get the presentation and really crisp audio um, with not too much planning. You, the difficult bit for the presenter is remembering that there are people online. So actually taking the time and saying, you know, Bill was my extra pair of hands. Bill, are there any questions from the online group? Actually, yeah, there are two. How do you do X, Y, and Z or whatever it might be? And you can answer those questions. So really making sure the online people feel seen and heard um, means that they're not experiencing it like they've got their face pressed against the window. They can see what's going on, but they can't get involved. By having that extra pair of hands means that somebody can check the questions and check the chat for you as the presenter. And actually, it's it's a so some of these some of these groomers some some of the groomers run like seminars all year round. So a little bit of investment in equipment, um, it's going to pay off because if you're running seminars for like sixty to one hundred pounds um, per person, and then you put that out to a worldwide audience, because let's face it, when you're on the internet, there is no restrictions as to correct me if I'm wrong. There's no restrictions as to how many people can be watching no and imagine if you can get you might want 20 people in the room because yeah. 20 people might want to sign up but you could have 100 people online and if you're charging 
hundred pounds a ticket for a hundred people online, that's a tidy bit of profit because yeah. uh, you know every time you can also if you don't want to do the tech yourself outsource it, but outsource it as a package. So it obviously works out much more cost effective for you if you say, you know, Lorna, we're going to run six events this year and we want to run them all the same, but with slightly different content each time. It means that me as an events company, I know the setup you need and I'd rather have six events in the diary um, and you know that solid booking as well. So you can work out a good price, a solid price. If you said to an events company, do the tech and we're going to book you six times this year. You then you then start to develop that shorthand with the producer. So I know when you're going to move on to the next topic so I can be ready with my switch. I know when you're potentially going to move around so I can make sure we get the angles right. So it, it's really good to build that relationship with whoever your extra pair of hands is, whether it's a friend, whether it's somebody else in the company or whether you outsource it to an events company. And um, have you got any like top tips on how to get your event out there and get people buying tickets for your for your seminars? Yes. The first thing uh, would be to read the book Oversubscribed by Andrew Priestley. I'm sure you've got that in your resource um, list. Um, mostly it's to build the hype first. Um, think about and I know you do this thinking about your target client and your client avatar and start marketing it really early. So I won't, I, when I work with my clients, I say to them, have you, before we even put money on the line, have you gone out to your potential audience and said to them, if I were to run a course on X, Y, and Z, who'd be interested? If nobody puts their hands up, you might want to rethink your topic. Yeah. Um, if you get a reasonable amount of interest, okay, I can start to go ahead and push this. But really thinking about getting people to show interest before you spend money and energy on marketing and creating the event um, is a great place to start. Mm. Um, I always say once you start marketing, you really need to go hard. It's not enough to put one Facebook post out and expect everyone to see it. Um, and I know you talk a lot about social media, but you need to be in front of people constantly. People have got busy lives. They'll go, oh, that's a really good course. I might book on that. And then the postman arrives and it, it literally goes in and out of their head that quickly. So you need to be in front of them constantly reminding them to book on the course, book on the course, book on the course. And I usually recommend about four weeks out. You need to be marketing your event to make sure you get enough bums on seats. Mm -hmm. um, and don't be afraid of putting a limit on it. Put a limit of 100 so that it is, it can be oversubscribed. You're going to have a wait list because then you can pre-sell the next one. You can get people signed up to the, potentially the next event you're going to run. Um, and the place where people get lost the most is in the actual booking process. I was going to ask about this. So from start to finish, you need to be thinking about the person the attendee how do we make it as easy for them as possible from clicking yes i'm interested in that on facebook to parting with their credit card details as fewer clicks as possible as fewer pages as possible um, but you can make some cracking landing pages now really cheaply um, you can even put a landing page on your own website so they click from facebook to the landing page that has the booking form in it details yep. in credit card paid and their confirmation pops straight into their email system with add this to your diary and here's your joining link or 
if they're buying in person and here's the ticket. Yeah. So making it really simple. And we want to make it simple for ourselves as well, don't we? Not not just the, the attendee, but we want to make it simple for us because we've got busy lives as well. Absolutely. And platforms, you could use um, a preset form um, that you build into your website, or you can use a ticketing service like Eventbrite. Um, and I love Eventbrite for beginners. One, because it's really intuitive to set up. Mm-hmm. Two, because you can preload all of your keep warm emails. So again, have a look at the... Um, planning guide that I'll dump in but I recommend um two weeks before a week before three days before 24 hours and one hour emails to remind people because you will still get people 20 minutes before you start say I can't find my link mm-hmm. I can't I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go so keeping it at the top of people's inboxes reminds them that they have paid good money and you want to see them you can also drop in here's my video to show you the best way of dealing with a blind dog you know give them value that keeps you in the front of their mind all the way through while they're waiting for this event to arrive um, but it also means that that joining link is right at the top of their mailbox they're not going to forget about it they're not going to have lost the link so not bother um, it's going to be really easy for them to attend and that's the aim of the game making it as easy for the person as possible and I think um, the online platforms now are becoming easier and easier to to join as a, a novice, you know, click launch meeting and, you know, click here. Sometimes it's difficult joining from a mobile, but is there any particular one that you recommend um, for these kind of events? As a platform, um, I always say go with the platform that your users like mm-hmm. uh, rather than what you're comfy with. Because I know some of my clients are really comfy with Microsoft Teams. But actually, if you're an external person joining someone else's Teams, the functionality is dire. Um, Zoom is always going to be a favorite one because it's cheap um, and easy for beginners to get a grip of. Mm -hmm. We can do really fabulous stuff with Zoom events. um, But as a beginner, Zoom is great. It's really intuitive to use. Most people as attendees are familiar with it now and probably have a free account. Um, so that makes it super easy. But also Zoom was always built to be a video conferencing platform. It has standalone servers. It it just does video conferencing, whereas Teams is a bolt-on to Microsoft and the entire Microsoft package. So you tend to get better reliability. You tend to get a more stable connection. Um, obviously, all your recordings are held in the cloud for you to download as and when you want to. So Zoom is a great one for beginners. You can get super fancy and start um, if you want to do an exhibition. There are hundreds of exhibition softwares where you effectively create a virtual exhibition hall. So you can go around to the different stands. You can potentially talk to the different speakers. Um, I would say if you're looking at those, get a professional in to help you Mm -hmm. um, because there are multiple video streams all happening at the same time. Um, But Zoom is a fantastic starter place Um, and you can pay for Zoom monthly as well. You don't have to do a year subscription. So if you're just testing it out, just go to the monthly um, rolling contract. It's a teeny bit more expensive. I think it works out as £12 a month instead of £9 a month. But if you say I'm only going to do up to 100 people in August and December, it's going to cost you 20 quid rather than £100 for the year until you're really using zoom a lot and getting value for money the fact that you can pay monthly is is a godsend yeah and i think that answers laura's question actually she asked the question 
how much um what's the best pricing option for for doing what we're doing and it is the sort of standard package isn't it and you can cancel it whenever yep and if you if you do pay for the year you get 20 percent off usually on zoom as well so i think you pay something like 112 pounds 109 pounds for the whole year um and that's as a standard it is up to 100 people but you could bolster it a bit for that particular month so quite often i run three different zoom accounts i pay as the basic yearly package for all of them and if i have a client that says oh we want to do a 500 person event this month i just put the bolt on for one month and then it turns off again so i can it's really flexible and you can scale it up and down as you need it and what's what's the biggest sort of like you say 500 clients have you done more or is that like yeah (laughs) Yeah, uh, 3,000 um, was the biggest one we had. And that was November last year with a charity in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah. No, any glitches or it all went smoothly? Uh, all pretty smooth. Yeah. Yeah. The only glitch was the fact that I couldn't get to America to run it because yeah. of lockdown. <laughs> um, so I ended up having to have hire and train a producer in America to give me the video feeds so they were sending me the feeds so that I could compile them here in the UK and push them out to the audience yeah so it all got a bit twisty um but it's it's absolutely doable did it and and I'm just thinking like because I I I thought of yourself to come on and do this presentation to people that run regular seminars demos competitions etc but actually I I can think of it can open up a lot of people to monetizing some educational stuff. So going back to that, I've got a particular rare breed of dog on my table, maybe a hand strip or you know a breed that everyone struggles with, and you see lots of questions in the in the Facebook groups. Investing in a little bit of technology and a Zoom account, you could actually within very quick quick time get a lot of people viewing you doing your day job, grooming that dog, but actually learning from you doing it and making a bit of money from it as well. Yeah, I was just thinking, Zoom account, decent camera, decent microphone. You're probably looking at 400 quid's worth of kit um, and expenses. If you've got 40 people paying a tenner over the year, you've paid for your kit. Yeah, yeah. So keep your eye out on those breeds that everyone asks for hints and tips on and how to do, how to finish faces. There you go. You do this every day. You could be broadcasting your your finishing the faces webinar yep. to, uh, across the world um, for money. Oh, I know. I've got a particularly chopsy dog that likes to nibble my fingers. How do I manage to clip that dog's nails and keep all my digits? Yeah, it's just like it's a no brainer, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And um, it's so much more simpler than it, than it ever was. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to sort of simplify things and, and give people some hints and tips. Yep. And, and there's, there's, I mean, we do it all the time. We do um, like upskilling lectures. And mm. um, so we get a group of people that want to learn how to do something. We'll run them through it as a group, but there's loads of companies that do that as well. So learn a little bit and then just test it, try it and test it, get comfortable with the setup, the actual running um, a Zoom session. And you only need somebody you know, you could get your kids to do it, log into this meeting from the next room and tell me what you can see and just get used to switching your mic on and off and letting people into the room. The more you do it, the more the buttons become muscle memory, like every other skill that you've got. Mm. The more you do it, the more skilled you become at it. Um, and actually it becomes a bit of an art form. 
it, it, you know, and, and it's easy. It once you it's scary. Yes, I know it's terrifying, and I know people hate being on camera. But if you're happy to stand up at the front of a room and talk to people, it, this is no different. This is me talking to a room rather than a room. Yeah, definitely. That's it. Well, thank you for coming on, and I really hope that um, we're going to see some dog grooming um, competitions into webinars and going to start getting the uk or actually there's, all, there's other countries that are in the group and watch this so maybe usa over into the uk and uk over into the usa that sort of stuff that'd be awesome absolutely good to see it well get uh, pass me all of your details your web addresses and all the resources and i'll put them into the comments of the chat and uh, put them in the comments of the, of the podcast as well brilliant excellent thanks for your time you're very welcome take care